On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, eh, no rush or anything, but Five Nights at Freddy's is going to shoot and then release in theaters in under seven months. Uh, Star Wars, the upcoming Mandoverse movie from Dave Filoni. Could that project actually be in trouble? Also, Disney has fired and parted ways with Jonathan Majors. So where does Disney go from here and what does Marvel do with their cinematic universe? And according to reports inside Marvel, they are no longer referring to the next Avengers movie as Avengers Kang Dynasty. It's being referred to simply as Avengers 5. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more. The John Campus Show podcast starts right now. <laughs> well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campus Show podcast. Coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host. John Campion, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but hopefully giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or even different from the ours. Uh, joining me in studio today, I got Ray Ora. Hello. Jonathan Voikos here. Hey, guys. Chris Carr is here. Hi, everybody. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to start off by talking about those topics that I listed off. And then we're going to go over and take your questions. Now, we already asked our beloved YouTube channel members to fire in some topics a little bit earlier today. We'll get through as many of those as we can. But also, if you're watching live, you can send in a t comment or question simply by using the Super Chat feature in the live chat. And as long as it's appropriate to be read on our show, we'll get around to addressing that a little bit later. All right, guys, with that down, let's dive into things, shall we? And let's start off with this. You know, uh, out of nowhere came Five Nights at Freddy's this year. Did remarkably well. So it's no surprise that Blumhouse right now is looking, and they have greenlit, apparently, a sequel. No big surprise. They made the movie for about $25 bucks, and it ended up making, like, north of 300 I mean, 300 isn't exactly what you call blockbuster numbers in Hollywood, but for a movie that only costs that much, that's a ridiculous profit margin and one of Blumhouse's biggest hits so far. Well, knowing that maybe this doesn't have long life, they've decided to hit the ground running and apparently are looking to shoot and release this film within six or seven months. Uh, this comes to us from Coming Sooner right the following. Blumhouse and Universal are reportedly cooking up plans for another swift slice of Five Nights at Freddy's action soon as Five Nights at Freddy's 2 is set to begin filming uh, in the spring for a Halloween of 2024 release. That's this coming October. Less than a year from now, it's going to be out in theaters. Haven't started shooting it. It's going to be in theaters in less than a year. The success of the original on a relatively small budget made the sequel to the video game adaptation a certainty as that became Blumhouse's biggest movie ever. So, according to the reports, they're saying they're looking at maybe start shooting this spring, which means they hella rush the development of whatever this movie is. I mean, some people say, coming out in three years? Well, maybe they're rushing. I know, like, this, they, this, this thing's coming. They don't have a script yet, probably. They <laughs> want to go start shooting in spring, and then not only shoot in spring, but like six months after they start shooting, they want this thing to be in movie theaters. Now, it's not like Five Nights at Freddy's is a post-production visual effects CGI heavy property, right? So while there is certainly a post-production process to go through, 
it's not like it's one that, say, like a big comic book movie is going to take a year plus of post-production work. So that's not the craziest thing. What is the craziest thing is when they released this movie, they had no idea it was going to be such a big success. And yet they are, they just slap something together and say, let's put this thing in front of cameras. And you know what? I don't see that as necessarily a big bad thing because while I know Five Nights at Freddy's has a large group of fans, passionate, enthusiastic fans, you guys know if you follow this channel, I was super excited for Five Nights at Freddy's. I lost some of my enthusiasm when I realized they were doing day and date with Peacock because they don't have a great track record when they do that. But, you know, the movie wasn't great. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 pushed all the nostalgia buttons for people who are really into the Five Nights at Freddy's game. The only game that's ever actually scared me was Five Nights at Freddy's. It wasn't a wonderful movie. Come on, guys. This ain't Shakespeare. They don't have to put together deep plot and multi-layered narrative threads for characters going on an epic hero's journey of self-discovery oh and God. enlightenment. You turned into Triple H. <laughs> Was that a Triple H voice? <laughs> Old Triple H. <laughs> so... I mean, whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, nights, whatever. Five Nights five at Freddy's. Freddy. Freddy. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Freddy's things that kill people. Freddy's what kind of how big of a script do you need? So normally, I would say this is a big red flag for any sort of thing. But for something like a Five Nights at Freddy's, look, all people want to really care about, they care about people wandering into the place and these giant animatronic robots slashing them up. That's, plus, that's what people want to see. And plus the post credit scene. There, there, there's bound to be a sequel. I mean, that, that called for a sequel. Whatever happened at the end, I completely forgot. I was trying to read about it, but... Whatever happened at the end, I'm sure it called for a sequel. <laughs> no, I just didn't. No, no, no. Whatever no, no, happened. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. Totally. From what I remember, I was like, oh, there's going to be a sequel to this. Well, there's so nine that, games. Well, remember... It, it, nine already? There's nothing, nine games. Right? Main like, games. Every Man. movie that gets made, they hope it's successful enough that they can do a sequel. But, I mean, every movie that failed has open ends on them that you could make a sequel out of true, it if you wanted true. to, right? And the fan base is big enough where I think, yeah, this is a good decision to do it real quick because the other one seemed like it was made real quick. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is they worked on the first one for years. I mean, years. I think I was still at Collider when yeah. we announced that they were going to do a well, Five Nights Well, they're treating it like an actual Chuck E. Cheese. Once you have the animatronic, you just use it and use it and use it until it's it a just, haunted shell yeah. of what it used to be. And the, and the movie was a good time for me, at least. I, I, I didn't hate it. I, I watched it and I was like... <laughs> I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I, I just... You know, it had some moments. It had those key moments. I don't think it's a very good motion picture right. overall, but I mean, it had its moments. It hit the right buttons for a Five Nights movie. And one thing I do regret is not actually going to the theaters and watching watching it opening night. Because oh. from what Chris said, oh, the theater was packed. Yeah, with little I really kids. Would, I really yeah. would have liked to be in a, a packed theater terrifying. watching that. It probably would have been, I probably would have had a better, you experience. know, experience. Yeah. yeah. I was so. going to see Nightmare Before Christmas because I'm an adult and all these small children were dressed as the animatronics stoked to see that movie. Oh my And goodness. it was charming and horrifying. Let's play, Chris. Yeah, I ooh, ran away as fast quickly. <laughs> so okay. what do you think about this, Chris? I mean, like, the movie was just out not long ago. Mm -hmm. They've now greenlit a sequel, start shooting in the spring, out by October. <laughs> so I don't know, how do you feel about that? It's a hell of a timetable. Yeah, I mean, clearly they don't pregnancy? think they can wait another year to cap, you know, to take advantage of the momentum, I guess. Yeah, that's what I think they're doing. And again, it's it was made relatively cheap, right? Twenty million. 
Yeah, twenty twenty five, depending which isn't on the report. Crazy you read. for a movie, and it grossed what about two hundred ninety three worldwide. I, I think it topped three hundred. That's amazing. Yeah, super so, high profit margin. I think too. Once you kind of have established the the, the Freddies, the animatronics, and all of that, you don't have to do as much work. I know I was joking about the animatronics being there, but you already do have a lot of the props and everything yep. made. You can make these movies relatively cheap. We have nine games total in the main storyline to choose from for a story and everything. So I think you can put something out pretty quickly and they're striking while the iron is hot um i'm still just so floored that this did as well as it did in general i mean i know it's recognizable ip i know people love these games but day and date usually is something you can bet it's going to be kind of a dumpster fire of a film and yeah i hope they don't do day and date for the second oh i think now they'll be this is going to be a theatrical well it's just like how many times you have to learn this lesson yeah as a you know as a distributor well i mean look it's a common thing that these streamers some of them have figured it out and some of them have still not Five Nights at Freddy's would have had a bigger debut on Peacock if they had just done the theatrical release first and then later said, now available to view at home on Peacock rather than putting it on Peacock on opening day. And by the way, nobody subscribes to Peacock, so that's why I was able to do okay. <laughs> but I mean, if I think if for the next one, they should absolutely follow that. They should absolutely make sure they just make it theatrical, then wait six or eight weeks, and then say Five Nights at Freddy's 2 is now available exclusively on Peacock, and it would have a huge launch on Peacock. And the smartest move here is releasing it during Halloween. If it was released in any other month, I wouldn't feel like going to the theater. It's just a point, like, during Halloween, everyone wants to see something scary and have fun and go out and watch a like a movie. I think it's a good move because it, it would either be this Halloween or they would have to wait until the next Halloween. I just like that. I just like that it's releasing during that season or during that 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 holiday. What do you call it? I don't know. Spooky season. Yeah, spooky season. All right. With that down, guys, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, uh, Star Wars announces a lot of things. Doesn't deliver a lot, but they announce a lot. And one of the things that they've announced <laughs> is an upcoming Dave Filoni. Uh, project based on the Mandoverse that's going to include um, apparently from what we're told Mandalorian, Ahsoka, uh, other characters within that big Mandoverse, right? But with the struggles of the Marvels, could that maybe be in jeopardy? And that is the subject of today's Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Listen, guys, if you've got a question for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 951 268 Four two five nine, and today's is specifically about could that Mandoverse movie maybe be in trouble? Check it out. Hey, John, this is Matthew from Palm Springs, Florida. I was wondering, with Bob Iger restructuring things at Disney, what are the chances that the Filoni Mandoverse movie is in jeopardy? As it, as far as we know, is jumping off a bunch of Disney Plus shows that have not been very well received and their popularity is declining, similar to the Marvels. And what is your take on this stuff? Thank you, and bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for calling that in, Matthew. And yeah, listen, it's a totally valid question because, look, while I think we are all waiting to see what Dave Filoni can do with a live-action Star Wars movie, now that he's had the opportunity to sit at the feet of, like, Jon Favreau a little bit, cut his teeth a little bit on on directing a couple of episodes of live-action, I think a lot of people, including me, are really excited to see what he can evolve into with a live-action film. So they announced this Mandoverse movie that they're going to do, which includes Ahsoka, because much as I love Dave Filoni, the one criticism I used to have is he doesn't seem to know how to do anything without Ahsoka. But 
They have this Mandoverse movie, right? But there could be a couple reasons why that might be in trouble. Not saying it is, saying might be. And I think the two main reasons it could be in well, the three main reasons it could be in trouble are, are this. Number one, Bob Iger's back. He's already said we're going to start really looking more closely, not just Marvel, but Star Wars 2, about what we produce. We're going to cut back a little bit. We're going to be try to be a little bit more frugal and be a little bit more wise about what we greenlight and what we don't, and all that kind of stuff. That's one thing. The second thing is this. The Marvels just at the box office flopped. I didn't think it was a bad movie. I didn't think it was a great movie. No, it definitely wasn't a great movie, but I didn't think it was a bad movie. But And the reason it flopped are legion. There are many reasons why it flopped, but one of the reasons that I said months in advance was going to hurt it, and it did, was the fact that a lot of this movies and this marketing was predicated on the fact that it's featuring two main characters that unless you're a Disney Plus subscriber and watched the shows, you had no idea who two of these characters were. No idea. The point that I literally had viewers of our show coming up to me in the street saying, I don't know if I should go see Captain Marvel because I never watched WandaVision and I never watched Ms. Marvel and I feel like I'm not going to get it. I mean, that was a legitimate problem. And now you're talking about making a feature film that is all Disney Plus only characters. I, you can make an argument that Ahsoka has, was around before Disney Plus. Yes, but the Rosario Dawson live action iteration is a Disney Plus character, Mando, as popular as Mando has been, Disney Plus exclusive character. This iteration of Boba Fett, you know, the, the new age Boba Fett, if you will, it's, it's, it's all predicated on Disney Plus television shows. That could become a problem because they just saw what happened to the Marvels. The third reason why it could possibly be in jeopardy is this. This stuff comes to us from the direct who wrote the following, talking about the fact that, yeah, the popularity of this Mandoverse has been in decline, significant decline. Despite a strong start, talking about Ahsoka, an impressive debut, Star Wars Ahsoka ended its first season on less impressive notes, experiencing a 40% drop in viewership compared to The Mandalorian's third season finale. And then if you look at that chart they put below there, those lines represent the popularity of season one, which is the bright orange, the biggest line in the chart. Then kind of the uh, pinkish reddish line, which was season two, and you can see that went down. And then that purple line is Mandalorian season three and where it was at that point in the mid-season. And it didn't get any better as the season progressed. So... We're talking about now making a feature film for theaters that is based entirely on characters that people will only know if they subscribe to Disney Plus and watch the Disney Plus shows. And those shows have shown a trend of downward popularity, declining in their viewership and declining in interest. Now, am I interested in seeing a Dave Filoni Mandoverse movie? Yes, I am. For several reasons, I am. But under this new sort of close eye being given to every single project, as Bob Iger is kind of mandating, we're going to cut back on how much we do. We're going to be more discerning about what stuff we do and all that kind of stuff. I will not be surprised. First of all, I wouldn't be surprised if any Star Wars project gets canceled because that's what Star Wars does the last couple of years. They announce projects and then they cancel them. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised at all when you take all that in consideration if we find out here soon that maybe this one gets canceled. Now, if they do, though, 
What I think would probably happen, and this is just me guessing, I think they instantly get another project lived up for Dave Filoni. Uh, because I think we need to see Dave Filoni direct a feature-length film. I think he needs to do it. I think we need to see him do it. It would just probably be a movie that isn't predicated on television stuff. It'll be predicated probably something original, something new, and I think they'll get something lined up for him fairly quickly if they do this. So, again, I'm not saying they're going to scrap this. I'm just saying I'm not going to be surprised at all if we find out that they're not going to move forward with the project. Or it um, evolves into some Disney Plus special, like maybe a Disney Plus limited series. Instead of a Mandoverse theatrical film, they do a Avengers-style crossing Boba Fett with Mandalorian with Ahsoka and all that kind of stuff and all these characters, and they do a one-season, kind of like what Netflix did with The Defenders. Remember that? Yeah. And they took... Uh, I was about to call Luke Cage Cool Hand Luke. Uh, when they took Luke Cage and... Uh, Daredevil yeah, and Jessica Daredevil, Jones yeah. and, uh, you know, they, they put them all together. I could see them maybe evolving that into a series for that. But if they do, I still think we're going to get that feature film from Dave Filoni. It just might be something original for the screen, theatrical, not something based on the television series. Anyway, Chris, I think it's a really interesting question they're asking. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just saying when you look at the numbers and understanding Bob Iger is pulling out his own acts of Zaslav right now, looking yeah. at what they can cut back on. What do you think the chances are that maybe a project like this one doesn't actually happen? What do you think? I think it's so high because look at Star Wars as a whole. So many of these projects don't come to fruition. We've had so many false starts here. We've been promised a movie and then it's been yoinked away. And when you are talking about television shows going to the big screen, they also need to have numbers to back it up. Now, I'm a huge Mando fan, hey yo, but some of these other shows haven't really fired on all cylinders or they've had their growing pains. Even Mando has. Mm -hmm. I liked this last season, I think, more than you guys, I if it. I recall correctly. Because um, I, did, I didn't mind Jack Black and Lizzo. I thought that was fine. Uh, I know some of you really <laughs> disliked that. My problem with this season wasn't Jack Black. Yeah. So it was other well, issues. I'm saying just a couple of the things in there that people seemed really angry about. It's fine. It's fine. It found its footing. I like, and I, again, it's my favorite genre of, you know, reluctant dad, but finding a baby. Yeah. I love that. Um, I just feel like with how Star Wars has been struggling to get anything on the big screen, numbers aside, I really just don't believe when they tell me I'm getting a movie in theaters. Mm -hmm. I just don't see it happening a lot of times here. Um and with Star Wars where it is right now, too, in a very polarizing kind of place with a lot of fans, I think they need a really big win. And I'm not sure this is the one that's going to unite everybody on the big screen. I think doing it as a big epic of a miniseries or something like that on Disney Plus is a smart move. Heck, I'd love a Mando film on the big screen focused specifically on him because I don't want it to become Boba Fett, right? Where the only episode I really love is the Mando episode. Yeah. Right. If yeah. we're doing a proper the Bryce team Dallas up. Howard episode. Yeah. yeah. If we're doing yeah. a proper team up, combining all these universes, bringing everyone together, I want to make sure that it's, you know, Avengers level of, oh, wow, look at all these people coming together and I'm equally invested in all of these stories. Right now, I personally, as a viewer, am not. So I feel like there's just a couple other steps you got to get there if you want everyone in that movie. Uh, but I do think Dave Filoni is definitely going to have his big theatrical moment in the sun. He has the keys to the Star Wars universe and he knows it really, really well. Whether or not you view him as just a cartoon guy or however you see him, he knows his shit and Lucasfilm really trusts him. So one way or another, he's going to do a movie. I just don't know if it's this one. 
It'll be interesting. And, you know, if they did do, like, their version of the Defenders, so I guess, you know, Ahsoka would kind of be Jessica Jones, Mando would be Daredevil, Boba Fett would probably be Iron Fist. Yeah. Wah, wah. Yeah, he'd be like, how do I do this? How do I be Boba Fett? And Where are my, my Vespa kids? Why are you trying to fight me? Don't you know that I am Boba Fett? Um, yeah, anyway. All right. Guys, with that down... We still need to talk about uh, some Jonathan Major stuff and the fact that internally Marvel is referencing no longer calling Kang Dynasty Kang Dynasty. They're calling it something else. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second here and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, our friends at Factor and Quip. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Factor. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Cross meal prepping off your list this holiday season with Factor. Skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, and get Factor fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Choose from 35-plus chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. Looking for calorie-conscious options over the holidays that don't skimp on the flavor? Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. And Factor isn't just for dinner. Count on extra convenience any time of the day with an assortment of 55-plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. So guys, head to factormeals.com campia50 and use the code CAMPIA50 to get 50% off. That's code CAMPIA50 at factormeals.com slash CAMPIA50 to get 50% off. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's video, Quip. Good health starts with good habits, and Quip makes forming good dental habits easy by delivering all of the oral care essentials that you need to care for your mouth. I've already told you guys about their incredible toothbrush that is now my favorite toothbrush I've ever owned, and their mints and gum are amazing. But now I want to tell you about their water flosser. It hits all the right spots with gentle or deep cleaning pressure at the touch of a button. And don't worry about recharging. The cordless rechargeable battery lasts up to eight weeks with daily use, no bulky charger, or dock or tangled cords. It blasts away up to 99.9% of plaque and popcorn from treated areas with precision thanks to the 360 degree rotating magnetic floss tip that snaps right into place. It's easy to control water flow that leaves you feeling squeaky clean. And the sleek and slim design, it keeps your countertops as clean as your teeth. So guys, if you go to getquip.com slash campia right now, you'll get 20% off any electric toothbrush, mint and gum dispenser, and water flosser. That's 20% off any electric toothbrush, mint and gum dispenser, water flosser at getquip.com slash campia. Spelt G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash campia. Quip, the good habits company. And thank you to our friends at Factor and Quip for sponsoring today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to this. Well, during yesterday's John Campia Show live stream, word came out that Jonathan Majors had been found guilty on two of the four counts that he was charged with, with harassment and assault. And we said during yesterday's show, you know, I think because it was it was two of the lesser charges, I mean, none of them are good, none of them are okay, they're all bad, but there were two more serious ones and two less as serious ones, and the two less than serious ones were the ones he was convicted of. 
to the point that we said on yesterday's show, you know, I said, you know, this puts Marvel in a really interesting position because I think I could see Marvel going either way in this. I could easily see them saying, okay, now we got to part ways with Jonathan Majors. Or they may go, I guess we could ride this one out. Well, it wasn't long after that, after the show went off air, that Marvel dropped word, made it really official, and very quickly said they had parted ways with Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors is no longer Kang. We talked about this a little bit on the open mic show we did yesterday afternoon, but you know, that tells me that Marvel had already decided that what I'm guessing is, okay, if he's found innocent, we can move forward. If he's found guilty, we cut bait. We have to part ways because we've got enough drama going on without taking on somebody else's drama. And uh, then we kind of move forward. And you know what? Kudos to Marvel for... I mean, they've screwed up a lot over the last couple of years, but kudos to Marvel for coming out right away because instead of letting it just linger out there, it's like, well, now we'll, now that he's been convicted, will they part ways with them? Were they not part ways with them? They just came out right away and say, okay, yeah, we're, we're parting ways with Jonathan Majors. There we go. Which, by the way, aside from Kang, that makes Magazine Dreams a big question mark right now because they've got this finished movie that's screened very well and people like it. And what do they do with Magazine Dreams? That's something we'll talk about another time. So, look, during the trial, especially when the text messages and the voicemail came out, like we, we said on the show, this puts Marvel in a very difficult spot because we said regardless of whether he's found innocent or found guilty or whatever, th these text messages came out that painted an unflattering picture, right, of a girl telling Jonathan Majors, my head is damaged, I need stronger pain meds, I got to go to the hospital, and Jonathan Majors telling her, no, don't go to the hospital because even if you lie, they still will want to investigate. And you got to be more like Mrs. Dr. Martin Luther King and understand that I'm a great man and I'm too important to my uh, community and to my culture. That wasn't a good look. Despite all the other stuff that was going on in there, it put Marvel in a very difficult spot. And then when he was found guilty on two charges, one of harassment, one of assault, it kind of, I guess, left them no choice. Now, I, I think regardless of where you fall, and I talked about this last night on the open mic stream, I think regardless of where you fall about whether you believe in Jonathan Majors' guilt or you believe in Jonathan Majors' innocence, I think we can all agree, if we're rational, that, okay, with the arrest indictment, and now conviction, it's understandable that Marvel, because it's a business and it's a business decision, I think we can all at least agree, even if we fall on the side that we think Jonathan Majors is innocent, I think we can all agree that it is reasonable and understandable that Marvel would go, okay, we have to part ways. Again, as Rob Robert Meyer Burnett would often say, it ain't show friends, it's show business. And Maybe you would have made this same decision. Maybe you wouldn't have. But I think if you're rational, you'd go, okay, it's understandable that they would do that. Maybe they, they could have done something else, but it's at least understandable that they did this. Now, this leaves us with two very important questions. One question, which we'll address more later in the coming weeks and months, I think, is about where does Jonathan Majors' career go from here? I personally, and I might be wrong, I personally do not think this is the end of Jonathan Majors. I, 
we're, I'm going to make a video about this later, breaking down the legal implications about what exactly he was convicted of and what exactly he was acquitted of. Uh, in essence, kind of what the jury was saying was that you are responsible for injuring this girl, but we do not believe you set out with the intent to injure. We don't think it was intentional. We think this was unintentional, but still you're responsible, blah, blah, blah. I think this is something you can potentially come back from later. And listen, Jonathan Majors has paid and is paying and will continue to pay a pretty big price for this, right? He lost a number of his representations. He lost a number of projects. Unlike an average person who maybe got convicted of this where nobody out in the street's going to know what you did, Jonathan Majors has been the subject and will continue to be subjected to international complete personal humiliation. And I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm just pointing out that an average person gets convicted of this, they're not going to experience that. Anywhere Jonathan Majors goes in the world right now, he is publicly humiliated. Uh, not to mention, this has hit him in the wallet book, right? Tens of millions of dollars of endorsements and projects and all that kind of stuff, gone. And again, I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm just saying that's reality and we'll continue to pay a price. But will this be the equivalent of a death sentence on his career? Because of the nature of the thing, I think he can come back sometime down the line. I think he can. And um, and hopefully, like anybody else who makes errors and does stupid things, he can learn from it, grow from it, become a better person, and move forward. And that's what we can all hope. He's a tremendously talented dude. He's one of my favorites. You guys remember how excited I got when they announced that he was going to play Kang the Conqueror. I thought it was like one of the most brilliant castings ever. And, uh, and I think he can come back. But the second question, and probably the more important one right now, for terms of an entertainment and movie show, is what Marvel do now? What do they do? Do they recast the character? And if so, who? I've seen a ton of different names thrown out there. From Yahya Abdul-Mateen to uh, Jonathan, you know, uh, Jonathan Washington. Mm -hmm. To, hell, I even saw a couple of people say um, Will Smith's kid. What's, what's his name? Jaden? Jaden Smith. I've even seen Jaden Smith. Come on, man. Terrence Howard. Redemption. Ter so, hey, listen, a bunch of people on Open Mic yesterday said Terrence Howard. But here's the reality, though. And we talked about this on Open Mic, too. This really convoluted, no consistency multiverse thing that Marvel's been doing. You have variants that look exactly like the main character, but you also have variants in this universe that look nothing like the main character, right? Mm-hmm. So we've seen some variants of Kang that are Jonathan Majors. But we've also seen variants of Loki that look like Tom Hiddleston and variants of Loki that looks like an alligator and variants of Loki that looks like Sylvie. We've seen Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but in another universe, Peter Parker is Andrew Garfield. And in another universe... He's a youth pastor. He's a youth pastor <laughs> at this point, right? So the reality is... They could cast Macaulay Culkin as Kang. Mm. Now, I mean, if they wanted to. Yeah. Because in this multiverse, variants do not need to look like the original. Don't tell me things I don't get Did to I have. Did I just get you all excited? I got so excited. I freaking love Macaulay Culkin. Are you now filled with the Christmas spirit? I'm now always finished. filled with the Christmas spirit. <laughs> you know, Justin Long. <laughs> Justin, Justin Long! Long. 
He needs more stuff. He should be in the MCU. Justin Long is awesome. I love Mm -hmm. Justin Long. But I mean, you can literally go in any direction and you could cast a child actor. You could, Helen Mirren could be the new Kang. I know Logan would be happy about it. Oh, wow. Somewhere Logan has a boner. (laughs) (laughs) Helen Mirren could be. So, I mean. He loves that poop That's the noise we made. (laughs) Whenever it's mentioned. I mean, it could be anybody. Or. Danny DeVito. (laughs) Danny DeVito could be Kang. Weren't they? Was was it Wolverine that somebody was mounting a fan campaign to try to get Danny DeVito cast? Wasn't that as Wolverine oh, at one amazing. point? Anyway, but it could be Danny DeVito. Could be anybody. Gronkowski could be it. Tom Brady can be it. Whoever, whatever. Denzel Washington could be it. Doesn't matter. It could be anybody. Polly LeBron Shore. Kang. LeBron Kang. <laughs> now you got Now you got to make that image. Sorry, I need to just not talk. Ever. LeBron <laughs> Kang. I mean, so you can do anything, go any direction you want. The other option, of course, is you, you don't recast it and you just let it go. We've talked about this and we're going to talk about this again at the next topic. But, I mean, we said before, Loki season two, if you want to look at it that way, Loki season two wraps up the Kang storyline. Because now the TVA at the end of Loki two is now just an organization that does not prune timelines. They are simply now singularly tasked with going out and hunting down the Kang variants. And we even end with Mobius going, yep, got a file of one of the Kangs. Got this one. Boom. And you could say that's the end of the Kang. and They just move on from the character as a whole. The good news for Disney and Marvel right now is that what is or was known as Avengers, the Kang dynasty is still years away. It's not like this movie was about to come out anytime soon. That thing is still years away. They have a lot of time to kind of reorient themselves, get reestablished and head in whatever direction they're going or introduce a new character, a new actor playing the role of Kang. We'll have to see. Chris, I mean, uh, it's not surprising that with a guilty Mm -hmm. verdict, Marvel decided to part ways with them. Mm -hmm. Um, What do they do now? Do they look at recasting? If so, what do they look for in somebody else to come in and play a Kang? Or do they not recast it and just move on from Kang? And, and again, we'll get into the what might or might not be a different direction in the next topic. But how do you see the repercussions here? If you do cast Kang, obviously you have to get such a high caliber actor because however you want to feel about Jonathan Majors. He's world class. He's a wonderful actor. World class. The same situation with Ezra Miller. No matter how I feel about Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller is a fantastic actor. You know, I didn't love The Flash, but that that performer has brought some real strong performances. What is that movie? Can we talk about Kevin? We need oh, to yeah. talk about Kevin. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, what a wild film. That was a biopic. <laughs> As it turns out. <laughs> so you have to get somebody excellent here. I see the chat also bringing up John Boyega a lot. John Boyega, Boyega? took to Twitter back in November when people were saying, you need to get on the phone with Marvel. You need to call Feige. He just retweeted this little gif of a Donkey from Shrek going, nope. <laughs> So I don't think he's interested, yeah, but maybe that could change. As a side, John Boyega also was like, you ain't going to Disney plus me. And then like, it's like, I'm done with Star Wars. And then rec- in recent months, he's like, oh yeah, maybe he could I change could come his mind. back. He yeah. could change his mind. But I just feel like we shouldn't get super excited about that one. Since a month ago, he was saying, no, thank you. Yeah. So I'm sure other Ooh. actors too, you have the shadow of Jonathan Majors. I'm stepping into this role. I'm inevitably going to be compared to this person. It's not like when we have somebody replacing an actor who's passed, this actor is still around, still performing. You know, there's going to be a direct comparison. So you do have to think about that. They just have to find somebody who's got excellent, excellent chops. I honestly, until you said it, because I know they have 
essentially kind of a Kid Kang storyline in the comics once we get mm-hmm. to Iron Lad and everything like that. I kind of love the idea of a variant Kang who is a child. I think that's terrifying. If we kind of Kirsten Dunst this from Interview with the Vampire, <laughs> I think that could be a really fun, terrifying option here. Again, you have to find a phenomenal actor who can carry that, though. Um, and a young actor that won't And then age. they would have yes. to kill a child yes. on screen. The Avengers killing a child. <laughs> well, and they can grapple with that, Ray. They can yeah. deal with that. Scroll. <laughs> scroll. The, the scrolls will be like, no, it's fine. Um, I, I feel like though they did wrap up this storyline, and while Kang, and we've talked about this on the show before, while Kang is a very interesting character in the comics, I haven't found this particular Kang to be the actual threat that has been promised to me. Not I at keep all. being told that he's a threat. But what I want movies to do is show me, not tell me. And so. I feel like they are in a really strong position to just move on. And I think that might be the route they take. We already have Loki, you know, the god of stories now in his throne doing his thing. If we are to do that kind of Secret Wars battle world world, um, that's more of a doom story anyway that King happens to be in. So I feel like perhaps the best course of action is to kind of clean slate this and start focusing on building up Doom or figuring out what we're doing with our existing players or things like that. I don't know if if recasting is the smartest move unless they have really strong scripts already in place that they're very excited about. Since they keep changing writers and changing hands and everything, mm. I don't know if the Kang Dynasty is really the move here. Um, I hope they find another actor if they do replace him, though. I hope they find somebody who does have those immense chops because this can be such a cool, interesting big bad because the best villains aren't the ones who are just mustache twirling, let me tie somebody to railroad tracks kind of people. They feel so justified in their actions. And one of the best things that Marvel can do is place villains who feel superior and feel that they are entitled to ruling, changing, etc., as we saw with Loki's journey, as we saw with Thanos. If we can get that kind of level of Kang in here, where we also understand why he's doing things, why he and his variants should be in power, you could have some really interesting storytelling happening. It's just not shown up on the screens yet for me. One of the things you brought up that is a really key point is that regardless of the Jonathan Major situation, Kang is a character that the MCU has just dropped the ball on the entire time. I mean, when we're introduced to He Who Remains in Loki, it was really cool seeing Jonathan Majors pop up in there, but they never once made me feel that this guy could be dangerous. Other than the fact that, you know, he knew what you were about to do, okay. And then when we met him in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and he gets loses a fight to Ant-Man, um, you know, there's, a, there's that one line in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania that they played in the trailers too. It's like, which one are you? I've killed so many Avengers. Were you the one with the hammer? And I'm like, after watching the movie, I'm like, there's no world where I believe that character could beat Thor. Like, mm-hmm. come close to Thor, let alone Hulk, let alone a team of Avengers. Like, never once did they ever make me believe that this is truly a universal threat. Unlike when they introduced Thanos in the end credit scene of the first Avengers, as soon as that dude just turned around after his little henchman says uh, to challenge them as to court death, and Thanos just turns around and smiles, was like, yeah, you felt it. That This, yeah. this is the guy. And they've done such a bad job with the character that I just don't know there's anywhere to go with it. None of you got at least a little bit, like, I, I don't know how to describe the feeling, like, ear or, like, eat by, by Jonathan Majors in uh, Loki. It gave me, like, that Anakin effect where you kind of know he's supposed to be this, it, 
like later on. Like, yeah, but they just never you, showed it. it. Kind of gave you the creeps. It yeah. Kind of, there's a sense of like creepiness. For sure. That you're, I was feeling during Loki whenever Kang was on screen, just knowing that what their plans for him were. Like the same thing I said with like Phantom Menace, Anakin, just knowing that he turns into Darth Vader. Sure. It was but like but that's creepiness. all it was. It was yeah. just, it was just yeah. wasted potential. Yeah. They never you, delivered. You it's you like, it could be this. Yeah. It could be this, but it was never actually anything tangible. You have a feeling of forbidden, right? Yeah. You have that in there, but it's the same way. Well, not the same way, but this is a ridiculous comparison. When there's somebody who gets added to your friend group and you know there's something off about that person, but no one else does. And it's, I can't put my finger on it, but that guy. And they played this. That one is yeah. weird. They played this despair tone oh, from Loki's theme music. Probably. I really like the Loki's theme music. When you uh, listen to it through, then they sometimes would play like this darker theme whenever Kang would be on screen. Mm -hmm. It just creeped me out. Like oh, yeah. the whole character. Yeah, they, listen, they did a good job of building it up. It's just they never delivered. Yeah, yeah we never got it didn't, didn't actually go anywhere. Yeah. And. And like Majors, I mean, he elevated the material. And made, Jonathan Majors came in there, took that character, took that dialogue, and he elevated it. But I, yeah. I just watched it. I was like, okay, but he becomes that dude we saw in Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. there's there's that. So where do they go from here now that they've parted ways with Jonathan? Do they recast? If so, do you got somebody in mind you'd like to see? They literally could be anybody. It, does, it doesn't even have to be anybody the same age, same height, same size, nothing. It could be anybody at all. What do you guys think they're going to do? Let us know down in the comments section below. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, the name of Avengers, the new Avengers movie is Kang Dynasty. But it might not be for much longer in the shadows of the parting of ways with Jonathan Majors no longer playing Kang. Uh, this story came to us from The Hollywood Reporter that says the following. Marvel now, this is post being fired from, from uh, the MCU. Marvel has two courses it could take now. It could recast the part, although uh, it is not clear how many actors would be affected to a role, would be attracted to a role, which one actor was so publicly fired. The other course is to redevelop its plans and refocus on a brand new villain. While Marvel sources are mum, there is indication that the studio has already been doing just that. In November, Marvel hired Loki creator Michael Waldron to work on a new draft of what was once called Kang Dynasty, but is now being referred to as Avengers 5, according to sources. All right. So there's before we get into the minutiae here, couple things I want to point out. Them now referring to Kang Dynasty as Avengers 5 is not a result of them firing Jonathan Majors. All right? From what I have been told, and it seems to be indicated in this as well, the change of verbiage in the halls of Marvel to referring to this movie as Avengers 5 is something that actually started happening a, a little bit of time ago. It was being referred to as Kang Dynasty or KD, and it, uh, some time ago, they stopped that and started referring to it as Avengers 5. That wasn't a result of the Jonathan Majors firing, which is why, again, it says here in the Hollywood Report thing, because there is indication that the studio has already been doing just that. In November, they hired a new writer. So this kind of piggybacks on the last story that we were talking about in where does Avengers go from here? And where does the Marvel Cinematic Universe go from here? 
I think, and I don't know this, this is just me speculating as a fan like everybody else, so take it for what it's worth. I think when they, number one, parted ways with uh, Destin as the director of the movie so he could go and focus on Shang-Chi 2, and the fact that they brought in a new writer, you guys remember at that point I said, I think they're moving away from Kang. I think because you had Destin who was on there to direct it, and now you're going to him saying, yeah, the whole villain around this movie, the whole main focal point of this movie that you agreed to come on and direct for us, not really about them anymore. All right, Destin's like, all right, cool. I'll go focus on, what was the other one? Wonder Man? Is that Wonder the other Man, one? Wonder Man, yeah. And- I'm going to go focus on Wonder Man and on Shang-Chi too. And they let Destin go and focus on that. And then they brought a new writer to clearly rewrite some stuff. And at that time, I, I speculated that I think this means they're moving away from Kang. Now, in the post-firing of Jonathan Majors, I really feel they're moving away from Kang. To go back to an argument I made in the last topic, again, if you look at uh, Loki Season 2, I I really do think they set it up that that's the end of the Kang story. Now, I don't know that as a fact. We very well, the next movie could come out, Kang could show up in Deadpool 3 for all I know. But I, my guess is that they are going to be using the end of Loki season two as the end of the Kang storyline. And I don't know if we're ever going to hear from Kang again. I don't know that we're ever going to hear from him again. And I'm perfectly okay with that again, because they've dropped the ball on this character ever since they started. So with the leaving of the director, with the firing of Jonathan Majors, with the bringing in of a new writer, And the very fact that even in the halls of Marvel, they're not referring to this thing as Kang Dynasty anymore. They're simply referring to it as Avengers 5. I am of the belief, not knowledge, belief. So if it turns out Kang is still in it later on, just can't be lied to us. No, no, no. I'm not saying I have any insider information. This is just my belief. I am firmly of the belief here that they're moving on from Kang, period. And the fact that Jonathan Majors is no longer there, I I have a feeling that maybe even if he was found innocent, they would just say, we're parting ways with Jonathan Majors because we don't have the role for him anymore. We're not going to use the character anymore. Despite how good Jonathan Majors played it, they've just dropped the ball with the character and how they wrote it. So uh, I I think all signs here point to North. I, I think this is all... Every single road right now to me that we see in front of us leads to me believing Kang is no longer part of the equation here and that Avengers 5 indeed will not be called Kang Dynasty. Anyway, Chris, you saw this report. In in light of the context of the director change, the writer change, Jonathan Majors not being there anymore, these reports coming from inside with The Hollywood Reporter. Is, are they done with Kang? Is Avengers 5 certainly now not going to be called Kang Dynasty? How do you see this? I really think they are. I mean, I touched on this while we were talking about Jonathan Majors exclusively, but the way Loki season two ends gives you the perfect opportunity to walk away from the storyline. Hey, Loki intervened. No more Kang. Got taken care of. Dunzo. Figure something else out. Because right now I'm having a harder time with the through line of what you do do. With I know, chat, you're going to make fun of me for saying doo-doo. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, you are going to have a harder time, I feel, connecting these dots of, okay, well, where do we go now in the story? Which variant is now here? What are we going to do with Kang? How does Loki's new position affect this? Uh, how do these Avengers deal with this person who, who hasn't... I mean, no one's really met Kang except for Scott. And 
Scott, he really doesn't get a lot of respect from anyone, too, within this group. Most of the people who he did know are no longer on the lunchbox, <laughs> you know? So is he going to have to assemble people and talk about the actual threat of Kang? I'm not sure what you do. I think they have a really great opportunity to move forward on something. I'm just not sure how they're going to do so. It's Avengers 5. Are we going to talk about the dead celestial in the ocean? Yeah. Are we going to talk about... We need to talk about the dead celestial. <laughs> yeah. uh, we always need to talk about By the way... You Avengers know, one 5. Of our, are there mutants? Yeah. One of our uh, viewers in the live chat, Buffalo Black, uh, wrote in a statement that I'm sure a lot of people are thinking right now. It says, you can't just write out one of the most powerful villains. Yeah, you can. Sure you can. And I'm sorry, but in terms of the MCU... You can't make an argument to me that Kang is one of the most powerful villains. Yeah, in He's, theory, but they never produced it. Yeah, so. in theory, but all I've seen is a very mid-powerful villain. Oh, you oh that wow. you mid-dynasty. <laughs> oh. Mid-dynasty is is a very mid-tier level villain, if that at most that couldn't <laughs> couldn't win <laughs> couldn't win a storyline against Ant Man. I mean, that's what we've got. Now, you can say, but John, you know, in the comics, they have that. This isn't the comics. This this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, they have not done anything to set this guy up as a real threat. He's They set him as a bad guy, set him up as a couple of people worry about, but we haven't tangibly seen anything or been made to feel as an audience the way they made us feel when they first brought Thanos on screen. Even people who didn't read the comics, they just knew, oh my God, this, this, this guy, this guy, I'm scared of. Never created that with Kang. And so instead of doubling down on their failure, maybe it's time to cut bait and move on. Um, maybe yes, maybe no. But <clears throat> I just, I think I have a feeling right now that indeed Avengers 5 ain't going to be Kang Dynasty anymore. Well, yeah. If anything, I mean it might actually become... They might actually do Secret Wars Part 1 and Part or, 2. could. Or, I mean, the thing is, is that all we have is a title. That's yeah. it. Kang was the big bad of an Ant-Man movie. He was the big bad of a Loki series, Season 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. And the only reason we had expectation he was going beyond that is because we had Kang Dynasty as a title. Yep. But all we had was a title, and that can be erased and forgotten. Yeah. Maybe they formed a new team in Avengers 5, because we don't even have a team yet. No, yeah. we, don't, we don't even know. As Rob often points out, we right. don't even know who's on the Avengers maybe, right now. Maybe, maybe that five will actually introduce the beginning of the Secret Wars and they introduce the Well, team. that's what I'm saying, right? Maybe it becomes right. Secret Wars Part 1 and Part 2. or so, I'm sure the plan was for Kang Dynasty to somehow lead into Secret Wars. Yeah. But now you can easily do it because, look, the bottom line is nobody's gotten attached to this character. Like, even in... You mentioned, Jonathan, that he's like the villain Loki Season 1 and Season 2. But mm -hmm. was he? It, like, you... We don't even know of his existence really until like the end of season one. And in season two, the the real antagonist was the loom that they were trying to fix with a few mentions of Kang. And obviously they had Timely there. Yeah. But I mean, pretty much his thing was like, oh, I'll win because you're never going to sacrifice yourself for all time to sit on the throne like I do. So I'll just right. win by de facto, you know. And then Loki decided to do yeah. that. So, I mean, there you go. Yeah. So uh, end of the day. I don't think the next Avengers is going to have Kang in it. I think I think they're done with the Kang character. I think they're going to completely move on. And if there was any doubt about that, I think the Jonathan Majors conviction probably just drove that home. 
because I think now, even if you wanted to bring in Kang for a brief appearance here and there with a new actor, it's just going to remind everybody about the drama and everything that they, they all had to go through. So I don't know. We'll find out. I might be right. I might be wrong. Let's see which way they're going to go with it. What do you guys think? Do you guys think they are done with Kang in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I personally think they are. And I even kind of think they might have been, even if Jonathan Majors was found innocent, had nothing to do with Jonathan Majors. But I don't know. Maybe you guys feel differently. Let me know what you guys think. <laughs> I just vibed up. All right, guys. With all that down, let's now go over and start taking your questions and comments and observations you guys have been sending in. But before we do, we're going to take another quick moment here and thank a couple of more sponsors of today's episode. Our friends at Rocket Money and my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's episode, Rocket Money. Do you struggle to save money every month? With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify all those sneaky subscriptions that keep charging you month after month and cancel any you no longer use. For example, did you know that over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've completely forgotten about? It's too easy to subscribe to a free trial of something and then completely forget about it once you stop using it. That's why I'm such a big fan of Rocket Money. I've told you guys before that when I started using Rocket Money, I realized that I was still subscribed to a gym in another city I had moved away from two years ago. Also, my music service? Yeah, I found out I was still subscribed to two others. How much do you think you're paying a month on subscriptions? Most people think they're paying 80 bucks a month, but they're actually paying closer to 200. That's why I use Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. With over 5 million users and counting, Rocket Money has helped save its customers on an average of $720 a year and $1 billion in total Total savings so far. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. Rocketmoney.com slash campia. Guys, we want to take a moment to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Give yourself the gift of insane savings this holiday season with Mint Mobile's best wireless deal of the year. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. That's six months of premium wireless service for the price of three. And Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Seriously, I can't think of a better gift than turning an overpriced wireless bill into just $15 a month with Mint Mobile. I've told you guys many times since switching to Mint Mobile, I am spending less than a third on my mobile service plan with Mint than I was on the previous big carrier who was my provider. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. So again, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Rocket Money and Mint Mobile for sponsoring today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's get over to your questions you guys are sending in. Chris, what are we starting off with? Uh, From Jamel Jamel Turney. Avatar 2 deleted scenes would have fixed more problems people had with the movie. Also showed uh, Natiri really would have killed Spider. What problems did people have with the movie? Uh, It seemed to be pretty well received. 
I feel like some of the criticisms for the the second one were just some uh, a few pacing issues with uh, Natiri being a bit sidelined a bit till the end too of just like I'm a mom. I and thought not it worked doing well else. for the story, though. I thought mm-hmm. she was because to me, them just kind of focusing in on "I'm a mom." That horror scene when she's now lost a child, mm-hmm. and that the whole movie really kind of set her up in in terms through the lens of her motherhood, and she starts going on a bloodlust vengeance kill spree. To me, it made it all the more impactful. Like that, that to me is still the moment of the movie. Like when I instantly start thinking about Avatar 2, I think about that sequence. I think Ooh. about that Natiri sequence. And I think it's part of it had its impact because they set it all up that motherhood was so central to who she was now. And then you killed her child. It's like, dude. You're fucked now. And it was just, oh, I thought that was so powerful. I feel like there were just a few moments, for me at least personally, of why are we only listening to Jake Sully? He's new. Yeah, yeah. Bitch, you just got to this planet. Calm down. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess I understand the reputation because in the last one, he led them against the people and against the bad guys and all that kind of... I get that. Pacing issues was one of the issues for me, a little bit long. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised by how much I liked the movie. If, if you fact. like Terminator and you like Titanic, Act Three is so yeah, up this your street. Is all for you. <laughs> all right, what's next? From uh, Enrique, the Sahara scene in the new episode of Monarch is now a favorite MonsterVerse moment for me. I embarrassingly giggled and turned up the surround sound. <laughs> I gotta tell you what, I'm I, so behind. Ray does not often text me about. Have you seen this? Like, but. I had just finished watching like the day before the newest episode of Monarch and I get this text message, Ray, did you see that end scene? Like he was like so excited about that scene was great. And just the way Kurt Russell, like the major story turning point for me was one line by Kurt Russell uh, for the whole series. When Godzilla comes out of the sands, starts walking away and the daughter girl, she's like, how can you possibly think you can fight him? And Kurt Russell goes, fight him. I'm going to try to help him like that reframed our entire understanding of the show, right? Like that our entire understanding of that show got completely reorientated with him saying, try to fight him. I'm going to go try to help him. That I think told us so much about it. This show has been really good. And I was worried that because, you know, we remember what happened when that first Godzilla movie came out uh, in the current monster verse. Right. And it was like, Godzilla, and every time Godzilla pop up, it was cut away. Cut away to people. Like, no Godzilla in this thing. And we knew this show was called Monarch, not Godzilla. This is about the human organization. This is about human drama. And I was worried that it would feel like it was lacking. But I'm telling you what, I have loved this show so far. Yeah. You're enjoying it too, right? I, I that The last, I don't know, five minutes of, or ten minutes of that episode was pure mayhem and just joy. I think seeing cute Godzilla again... Because he's so cute. He, in the dirt, in the water, he's he's cute as heck. I love this Godzilla. I love the minus one Godzilla, but yeah, it was good to see. I, everyone should uh, check it out. Yeah, it not, not like the minus one Godzilla who's got the, I've got a heroin addiction eyes. Yeah. Like the eyes of Godzilla like minus Roy one Rage, is like. Like Roid Rage Godzilla. Yeah, Roid Rage Godzilla. Yeah, that's the <laughs> way to put it. All right, what's next? From uh, Brandon, game day. Game, game day. day for- Percy Jackson to premieres tonight. You know what? Wasn't all that interested, but 
I think not just hearing the early reviews from it, which have been stunningly good, but a lot. I didn't realize so many people were excited about this. And I think a lot of you guys, your enthusiasm has rubbed off on me. I'm actually really looking forward to sitting down and watching this thing now. So hopefully it's good, man. All right, what's next? From James Wheeler sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you, James. Hello, everyone. John, I'm curious. The Leafs are playing this Thursday at the same time as Thursday Night Football. Which do you watch live? Aquaman 2. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that's, that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be watching Aquaman 2 and maybe even doing a double feature of Aquaman 2 and American Fiction. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to try to do a double feature if I can on that. Uh, normally, Leafs, always Leafs. But, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I'll be at the movie theater on Thursday. We think we're doing just like three movies on Christmas Day just so we can catch up on everything of just Aquaman and Color Purple Try to get an American fiction. By the way, the reviews for Color Purple have come out, and mm -hmm. it was in the high 80s last night. We'll talk about oh, that more tomorrow, which okay, is great. good to hear. But that was one of the biggest culture shock things to me when I came to L.A. like 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. Was that like in Canada, nobody goes to the movies on Christmas Day. That's oh. When I found out that it is the single biggest movie-going day in the United States of the entire year, yeah, I was shocked. You got to get the fuck away from your family. I, I guess I guess I just want to sit in a it. dark room in silence with you people. Spend Christmas morning with y'all. I need a break. Yep. All right. What's next? From A. Marcellus, Insomniac Games had a breach in security. Hackers stole over one terabyte of data and revealed Wolverine game footage and release dates of a Venom game, Spider-Man 3, and an X-Men game all over YouTube. Eh. Oof. Okay. Sony. <laughs> Sony needs uh, to renew their McCaffrey. McCaffrey uh, antivirus <laughs> or something. They need yeah. to renew something. Well, I mean, listen, it's happening to a lot of companies, right? I mean, this this sort of thing is now becoming a very common thing we hear every <laughs> it week. It just happened companies. to Sony not too long ago. When did it happen to Sony? Remember? The, the... I mean, like less than seven years ago? Yeah, remember? We just did a story. I th believe yeah. it was Sony. Yeah, they yeah. got hacked a they second time. They got hacked time. a second time. When was and then we were like, again? And then this now was, this yeah, one. Yeah, a few months ago. Yeah, just a few months ago. I didn't remember that one. Yeah. Okay. All right, what's next? For Ram Hensel, we need Campy's Awards, John, best of 2023 movies. I mean, every year I do a countdown of like what I think were the best of the year and all that kind of stuff. And I'll definitely be doing that next week. By the way, just so you guys know, there's not going to be a regular John Campia show next week where we're going dark. Although I will be popping up a few videos here and there uh, pre-recorded. And one of those videos I will definitely be putting up is my best of the year. Uh, you know, best movie, best uh, best actor, best actress, best director, all that kind of stuff. But maybe next year, maybe we should start planning for next year. Yep. The the campies. Maybe yeah. we'll call it that. Because right that would be more prestigious than the Golden Globes. Yeah, I'll tell you right that right now. The, uh, you can't the buy theater. one. Can't buy one. Nope. <laughs> who do we get? But who do we give the awards to? Like, there's no one there to accept. Oh, they'll all come. <laughs> they're, they're, if, if, what? If Scorsese finds out he's up for a campy, we'll call yeah. it the cinema. He'll awards. show up. He'll, it's awards. called the cinema awards. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What's next? This is something I got to look into. <laughs> From Andy. Okay. Hi, Chris. I just finished watching the Archie's Netflix Bollywood film adaptation of Archie Comics, so I have to come back out of retirement to deliver you a recap special. What is this movie? I'm so lost and confused. Where's Archie's abs? Where's the over-sexualization? Where's the ritual orgy between Archie, Betty, and the moon-maiden ninjas that is needed to stop the moon from falling? 
Why doesn't Jughead become a half-demon, half-alien hybrid to prevent Cthulhu from traveling back in time to change World War II? Where's the battle between Cheryl and two racist kaijus named KKK Kaiju and Blue Eyes? <laughs> White Power Dragon in a game of strip <laughs> poker on motorcycles in space. This film is relatively sane, and that's not what I signed up for. LOL. You know, whenever it comes up... I need a drink. I, I'm going to put whiskey in this coffee. It's still so weird for me to think, because I remember when Riverdale first came out, and, and if it's not called Supernatural, I really wasn't into CW shows so much. But And I, everybody started wearing the Riverdale like uh, cheerleader outfits, and I'd see these jackets, and everybody was talking about Riverdale. So I, I sat down and watched the first season of Riverdale and was really pleasantly surprised by how good it was. It was kind of like a, almost like a Twin Peaks kind of, in, in a, a CW fun. version of Twin Peaks in a way. And I liked it. It was very grounded. It was like a murder mystery in this sleepy town. And I, I thought, though, to hear what that show became is just so baffling to me. It's so incredibly it's baffling, wild. but hey, uh, people still talk about it. Andy, thank you for coming out of retirement, and thank you for got, that's eighty dollars, I think, worth of super chats. Uh, Forty, so, either way, it was great. Yeah, thank you, thank so you. That, Andy. Thank you so much. All right, what's next? Uh, all right, from John Redcorn. How about Kirk Lazarus from Tropic Thunder as Kang? Oh, that was Robert Downey Jr.'s character. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I'm already running the quotes in my head. I'm keeping them to myself. What do you mean, you variants? Yeah. What do you, <laughs> what do you mean, mean, you variants? <laughs> that is one of the great lines. What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? It's like one of the great lines. I still need to see it. I don't know how you haven't seen this movie. Okay. I don't know you how. haven't seen Tropic Thunder. No. Oh, my God. You got to watch Tropic Thunder. So good. Well, All right. What's next? From uh, Exotic Runs. Going to New York for the first time soon. Have any of you been there? And if so, any suggestions on places to eat or things to do? Thank you. Bring on the filthy. Oh, I, I mean, love New York. Yeah, love New York. Yeah, it's just one of those cities like LA. It's just so hard. Like, where should I eat? I mean, yeah. thousands of places. You do know? you know what? Do you know that I dislike New York so much? Yeah. I turned down a TV show. This tracks for you. Yeah, yeah. this I'm makes sense surprised. to me. We, um, the producers of oh, what's the hell that? Garage, what? Garage Nightmares? No, it wasn't Garage. <sighs> That's not. I've said the name of the show before. You guys were gonna, the producers of this one fairly well-known show on A and E and stuff like that. They were trying to put together this TV show uh, that would be part travel show, part movie show, where they the pitch for them was. Are you talking we, about Storage Wars? Storage Wars? No, no, they, no, no, oh, okay, no, no. Okay. It was something to do with cars. cars. It was a okay. car sort of thing that, that, that they were producing. But the the basic conceit was. Each week we would travel to a city in the in America where they shot an iconic movie, travel around to where they shot things, talk about the movie, and then the idea was we would then take locals and stuff like that and with us and reenact a certain scene from that movie. It was an interesting idea. And they flew me out to New York and we sat down and, and you know, we we discussed it for a couple of days, but it would have required me to spend to go to New York twice a month mm -hmm. 
and I really don't like New York, and I actually turned down the TV show because I really didn't want to go to New York. I love it there. New York is all about too what kind of things you enjoy, yeah. right? If you're a big, there. if you're a big foodie person, I mean, Marcus Samuelson's Red Rooster is there. You have so many different amazing Michelin star restaurants. You have so many great dives you can go to. Um, the Ghostbusters Firehouse you can go check out. You can go see the bridge that Gwen Stacy was thrown off of. You can go do all kinds of stuff. It just depends on your vibes. And you know the game, go see a play on Broadway, whatever. Oh, definitely. Seven hobos masturbating on the street as you do it. You can see that in any major metropolitan area. I do that Thursdays. (laughs) Also, someone told me that this is, you can actually order Chinese food like 24 hours. Yeah. Like there's delivery. I mean, you literally can order anything. That, that, okay, I'm just going just for that then. Let's just do it. All I right, love it. let's keep going. What's next? From Alex Mercer, the prototype Vortex Blur. Hey, John and crew, if Disney was to replace the Ken character with someone else, names that have been brought up are John Boyega or uh, Michael Jai White. I'd say those actors are a pretty good pick. Yeah, I mean, listen, everybody knows I am a huge Michael Jai White fan. I love Michael Jai White. And John Boyega is an excellent actor. But again, you don't even need to be anybody that's remotely like if if they did recast, which I don't think they will. You wouldn't have to get anybody that's even remotely like John Boyega because in this very inconsistent, convoluted multiverse they've set up, variants don't have to look anything like you, act anything like you, be anywhere near the same age, anywhere near the same height. It doesn't matter. You can literally get any actor at all on the planet to come in and play uh, this new variant of Kang. It, it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, listen, as long, if they did recast, and again, I don't think they are going to, but if they did recast, as long as the actor they announce is a really good actor, because like Chris pointed out, John Boyega isn't, not John Boyega, um, Jonathan Majors isn't just a good actor. He is a world-class actor. And so you're going to have to get somebody that can come in and try to fill those shoes. So regardless of who they are, what they look like, whatever, as long as they get somebody who is a truly exceptional talent, uh, then I'll be okay with it. All right, what's next? From Murray Reich, I was not a fan of Five Nights at Freddy's movie, and while I've never played the games, I've seen the cutscenes. The whole protagonist brother vanishing subplot was so boring. I also <laughs> wanted it to be more gritty. It's not a great movie. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. It's, it, in my opinion, again, it's all subjective, of course. Nobody's opinion is more important than anybody else's. To me, though, it wasn't a great movie. I mean, take out, you know, the five, the game elements. Are you left with a, with a movie that would stand on its own as a great story? No. But as a live-action adaptation of a beloved game... It, it hit enough of those buttons that I, I could see people having a good time with and getting a kick out of it. And from a business point of view, you spend $20, 25000000 million to make it and you make about $300 million? Yeah, you make another one. <laughs> you definitely make another one. All right, what's next? Did we do this Alex Mercer one? This is another one from him. Okay. So, hey, John and crew, if Disney was to replace the Ken character with someone else, um, oh, wait, no, we did, no, we did we do, did do one. this one. There yeah, was another yeah, yeah. one, though. Oh, no, it was Murray Reich who's a yeah, repeat. Yeah, okay, that's what it was. Um, it's such a shame that R-rated comedy movies didn't do well at the box office this past summer. I miss those types of movies but uh, by the holiday season. Do you think they'll make a comeback one day? Yeah. I hope so, because there were some really good comedies this year. Uh, particularly Joyride. Joyride. Best comedy I've seen in maybe 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. Uh, the Jennifer Lawrence one was pretty funny. The Blackening. Oh, the, the Blackening, blackening was, was pretty so funny. <laughs> and yet, you know, the, it's it's just this funny thing. Like, 
again, something that frustrates me about our own fandom is that you hear a lot of people in our own fandom going, oh, make original stuff, make original stuff. They don't freaking go see it. Three incredibly funny movies. They don't go see Joyride, it. Joyride, The Blackening, um, and uh, No Hard Feelings. Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted to go see it. Yeah. There was even so that don't one tell me two- you oh. want them to make more original oh, stuff. And I'm so sick don't. of the argument of like, you can't make movies like this anymore because people get offended. Uh, Joy Luck Club, or uh, Joy Luck Riot, I mean, uh, whatever. Joy whatever Ride? the hell it's called. Uh, Come on. That's nothing but <laughs> offensive. And and you guys complained about, no one sees those movies and then yeah. you didn't go see it. Yeah, and like just yesterday, like uh, I remember somebody was commenting on the uh, thing about them remaking X-Files. And sure enough, whenever that comes up, somebody who thinks they're smarter than everybody else goes, oh, heaven forbid they try to make something original. Like, dude, they've been making lots of There's more original content being made today than in any other time in Hollywood history. Y'all just don't go see it. Did that person go see it? Even when it's good. Yeah. You don't go see it. Did they see Poor Things? Are they are they going to go see American <laughs> Fiction? There's a lot of original stuff There's out there. There's a ton. There is an obscene amount of original content out there. People just don't go support it. And then they cry when a sequel gets announced. Well, because y'all talk about the sequel and you go see it. You don't go see the original stuff. Listen, we... Our main tool of communication as fans... Our main tool of communication with the studios is our dollars. That's how we communicate with the studios. So when the studios put out a good original film and we don't go see it, what we as a fandom are communicating to the studios is we don't want fresh original stuff. We don't want it. That's what we are communicating. When something comes out and we do put down our dollars to go see it, those dollars are a direct communication line to the studio saying, this is the stuff we want to see. So, I mean, and yet studios, even though we keep telling them we don't want original stuff, they keep giving it to us. Giving us more and more of a chance to get behind and support like really good original creative stuff and it's up to us about whether or not we want to go see it or not but we as a fandom have no right to complain about why don't you make something original when they do so much original stuff but you know again we just don't go see it all right what's next here we go the from andy this is the one that i saw with all of the monies thank you andy okay serious recap The Archies was kind of pleasant. Riverdale is set in the 1960s in India and was made from British colonizers and Indian natives, thus making up a community of Anglo-Indians, hence why half the original dub is in English. Archie and gang are trying to save their park from corporate developers, and there's a debate about corporate interest versus public interest. The country and racial group is different from its source material, but the aesthetics, tone, and characters are right out of the comics. The characters look like their comic counterparts. It's cheesy, but unlike Riverdale, it's intentional to go for an innocent 1960s kind of vibe from the comics. Veronica looks like an Indian version of Camille uh, Camille Mendez and doesn't scream daddy every minute. (laughs) Like Riverdale, Reggie is hot and doesn't get into any uh, fivesomes, but isn't a douche. Instead, he's a heartwarming, smart journalist. Archie doesn't talk about the epic highs and lows of high school football, but he says that hearts don't break, they just fracture. Which is stupid, but that's in the film. The closest to superpowers is that Archie has an uncle whose name happens to be Ben. (laughs) I recommend watching the first 10 minutes as an experiment to see what it's like, especially to you, Chris, as it was a palate cleanser for Riverdale. Thank you, Andy. Yay. Yay. 
Thank you for the support. Yeah, that was amazing. That was so much support. Where could, if somebody wanted to see that stuff, where would they go? Isn't that on Netflix? I think think so. I mean, Netflix sounds like the place that something like that would be. Chat, let me know if I am correct in that. All right. What's next? From Aiden Foley. Is Kennedy still out as stated by your source? Sorry, say that again. Oh, she means Kathleen Kennedy. He's talking about Kathleen Kennedy. Say, I, 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 are, are they out? Is Kathleen Kennedy out? out? Listen, I talked about this a few weeks ago. Look, I had definitively heard that Kathleen Kennedy was out, that the decision had been made. Remember, this was like eight months ago, maybe a year ago, that she is out. I said, it'll be sometime after um, Indiana, Indiana Jones and the end of the year, and she's going to be out. The decision's been made. That's what I got told. But like I said a few weeks ago, you know what? I, I'm i starting to doubt that because we are, I mean, there it is. It's right, the end of the year, it's right there. It's it's within sight. We can practically reach out and touch it. It's right there. And she's still there. And she's still greenlighting projects. Now, granted, as long as, even if she was being fired on December 31st, she's still in the job right now. She would still be greenlighting projects, doing her job. But... Uh, Listen, I like I said a few weeks ago, I'm starting to wonder. I really am. I, I don't know if Bob Iger, if, if she's got pictures of him inappropriately touching a donkey or or what. Whoa. But if she's got something on Iger or whatever, but it it's starting to look to me like she's still there. Like she just promoted Dave Filoni to creative officer, which is maybe not something they'd let her do if she was about to be shown the door. So I, I, at this point, I don't know. Uh, to be honest with you, at this point, I don't know. I, I think she should go. I think it would be best for her if she left. I think it would be best for Star Wars if she left. But at this point, I'm, I'm having my doubts that she's going anywhere. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait yeah. and see. But thoughts and prayers for the donkey. <laughs> thoughts and prayers <laughs> for the donkey. All right. What's next? From Maria, sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you so much, Maria. A guaranteed win for Star Wars would be to adapt the Jedi video games into a multi-season series, all of The Last of Us, and drop it to Hulu instead. Having a young actor like Cameron uh, Monaghan take the focus would be a big win. Mm, I disagree. I do mm. not. That there, There is nothing you can make right now that's a guaranteed win for Star Wars. Other than you, you make a movie of the return of Luke Skywalker... Maybe, but there, there's nothing right now that's a guarantee. And, and again, a, a video game adaptation is not a guaranteed thing. And as much as I like those new Jedi games, they're not the last of us. Um, so I, while I would definitely be interested in seeing those because particularly the first one, the story, the story, of the second one is still good. The story, of the first one was excellent, just excellent. And I would be very interested in seeing that, but I don't know that it's a guaranteed win or a guaranteed hit for a la Last of Us. I, I don't think it carries that same kind of certainty. Could it? It could. But it also very easily might not. So I, I don't see that as that much as of a guarantee. I just don't right now. All right, what's next? So from Dominic, who would you say has been more important to the film industry overall, George Lucas or Steven Spielberg? Overall? Not Lucas. just as a director? Lucas. George Lucas. Yeah. I mean, when you, you just look at all the things from THX to Skywalker Sound to ILM, 
to the, he is the one who single-handedly dragged the movie industry into the digital projection age and the digital filming age. I mean, just overall, if you were just talking about just as a director, Steven Spielberg, but overall, George Lucas has been a man with extreme influence over almost every aspect of filmmaking today. He, has, he even played a role in the creation of Pixar or to the fact that we even have a Pixar today. So, I mean, yeah, I would say George Lucas. What's next? From Jay Superboy. Hey, John, wonder if you, uh, if you ever saw Alec Baldwin's The Shadow. I think it's a classic. Keep it filthy. I talk about The Shadow all the time. I love The Shadow. The Shadow uh-huh. knows. It's like, oh, no, his nose gets bigger and his eyebrows enlarge. Ooh, now he's a superhero. Um, yeah, it. Ian McKellen is in that movie, too, by the mm-hmm. way. Sir Ian McKellen is in that movie. I loved The Shadow. I loved I don't know why I loved it so much. And I remember, too, the it was some one of the first examples of CGI. That knife. You remember the knife that they, like, it was like, Anyway, that, yeah, I love the shit. All right, what's next? <laughs> See the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. From yeah. Red One Real Talk, have you seen the teaser for Spaceman? The last thing I expected to discover today was that Adam Sandler is going to space, and I'm dying to learn more about this project. Yeah, I saw that. It's, a, it's just a very short little teaser. It's honestly weird seeing Adam Sandler and something like that, but I applaud it because I've been thinking ever since he did Rain Over Me, he should be doing exclusively drama in my opinion. It's an interesting story. So Adam Sandler is a lone astronaut who sent on a one-man uh, expedition thing and he's married to Carrie Mulligan and his marriage isn't so good and he's worried that when he gets home, he's not going to have a marriage to come home to. Meanwhile, he comes across this alien being voiced by Paul Dano who just played Riddler in The Batman um, who I guess gives him life lessons. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's my understanding of the synopsis at any rate. I didn't think the teaser was very good, but the movie sounds interesting. So we'll, it's supposed to come out in March. I'm sure we'll get a full trailer sometime soon. All right, what's next? From CJ Rebirth, finally get to see Dune and Booksmart past nice. couple of weeks. And I thought they were great. Love the surprise pairing between Hope and Amy and Booksmart. And at the end of Dune, I was like, oh, now Zendaya shows up. <laughs> Yeah, she'll play a more prominent part in Dune Part 2, but I'm so glad. Booksmart's another movie in the vein of those movies we brought up, right? Yeah. Booksmart was devilishly funny. That was a wonderful little movie. I adored it. Jason Sudeikis in it is great, too, as the Uber driver slash. He's a teacher? Yeah, the teacher or a guidance counselor or something and an Uber driver at night. Those two became big stars, in my opinion. There's rumors that she's going to be Abby in Last of Us 2 now. Oh, that'd be um, good casting. And then the other one, who is Jonah Hill's sister, she popped She popped up in a number of episodes in What We Do in the Shadows, which is great. I, listen, if you guys have not seen Booksmart, watch it. It's, it's wickedly funny. Really, really good little film. All right, what's next? From uh, Hip Karma. Hi from Australia. Percy Jackson and the Olympians drops today. Yes, sir. And I have to confess, it's the first Disney Plus series in a while that I'm actually excited to see. For me, it's an adaptation that could really benefit from the serialized longer form. It's also not going to disappoint the Star Wars or Marvel fan in me. Am I the only one getting tired of being disappointed by some of my favorite fandoms? Thanks. Listen, sp- sports fans have known this for generations. <laughs> Like you are passionately in love with a certain team 
and inevitably they totally suck and they disappoint you. If you're a Leafs fan, they've sucked almost your whole life. We all know it. Sports fans know it more than anybody else, and the entertainment fans are just going to have to get used to it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it happens. You know, and then my fear about the Percy Jackson was it was going to be the next Willow. Um, which I was never tremendously excited for the Willow series anyway, but I was certainly interested. And I, I just can't believe how much that show disappointed me. That was just a badly, badly done show. So hopefully this Percy Jackson, and the Olympians won't be that. And, uh, yeah, like I said, your guys' enthusiasm has got been contagious on me because now I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'll be watching it tonight. All right, what's next? From Chris Davis, in the end, I know it won't matter if the movie is great, but do you think we'll get trunks or no trunks in Superman Legacy? I think we're getting trunks. Please don't skewer me for this, John. Um, well, whether you think they will or will not is nothing to skewer you over. Now, whether you think they should or shouldn't, then we can have some fighting words. No, um, I, I don't think you can return to the Red Undies. I just don't think you can go back to them. I mean, they've always looked ridiculous, but now that we've had a Superman on screen for an out, for a while without the red undies, I think it would be real. Like for the longest time, I think people were just okay with it because that's kind of the way Superman always looked. But now we've got to have them without them, mm-hmm. and I think going back to them, they would really look I mean, stupid. Just going back to Reeves, and I love I love Reeves as Superman, oh, yeah. obviously. But I'm always like, why are you wearing your underwear on the outside? Yeah, what's with the with the with because the red undies? Because he's shy. I mean, that, he's super shy guys wear their underwear on the outside. He's got an extra layer. He needs extra protection. Yeah. Because he is super man. Okay. Man. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You know what I'm saying, John? <laughs> All right, what's next? He is Ralph. Um, Mr. Hank Dunn, I can't get the song from Wonka out of my head. I really hope you've never had chocolate like this gets best song nom. Song nom. There are so many really good little songs in that. First of all, the Keegan-Michael Key chocolate song. It's so funny. 18,000 boxes. Oh, done or deal. Like it's, it, it, that was so funny. His iteration of, uh, in a world of pure imagination fit perfectly with the, with the movie. Um, even the Oompa Loompa songs were great. Um, the Scrub Scrub song. Scrub Scrub was wonderful. Very catchy. I, I like that. I mean, they, it's just, it's really filled with really joy. Again, the way I describe the movie is, it's just, it's a movie that you don't get many movies like this anymore. Movies that are just there to give joy. And that's what Wonka does. It just gives joy. And the music plays into that too. So I, I think maybe we'll see an Academy Award nomination for a song. Maybe we won't, but they were really good in the movie. All right, what's next? From Andy Strong, hey Campia crew, have you had a chance to see the trailer for Miller's Girl yet? Jenna Ortega and Martin Freeman both look on top form. I don't you think know, I don't think I've watched. We briefly it. talked about this the other day during the the questions. Yeah, but I didn't. I hadn't seen it seen yet. It? And I still haven't seen uh, it. To be honest with you, so I'll keep my eyes open. Yeah, for it, it looks though. good. All right, last question of the day uh, from Rizal Prime. Hey crew, John, since you're such a big Transformers fan, did you get to see Peter Cullen's acceptance speech two nights ago at the Emmys for his Lifetime Achievement Award? It was presented to him by Frank Welker, Megatron, mm-hmm. and it was a real tearjerker. What about your thoughts, Chris? I I heard that he did it. I had not I have not seen or heard the acceptance speech myself. To be honest, I was more surprised that he hadn't had one already. That he didn't have a Lifetime Achievement Award already. Um I mean, this is a guy, when you go to his IMDb, you're just going to be stunned by the stuff he did voices in. You didn't even realize it was him doing it. Of course, for me, besides 
Optimus Prime, which is that he will forever be Optimus Prime. All right, that, that he is just the voice of Optimus Prime. That's it. But if you were to take that out, and I know this won't be popular, but when I think of Peter Cullen, other than Optimus Prime, I think of the intro to um, Voltron. Um, Defenders of the universe. Hmm. And of course, now he's uh, he's doing a voice in uh, Invincible season two. He's like the the like the leader of that uh, alien alliance dude dude. So, but I love hearing his voice. His, his voice is so. Cool. Yeah. I've had a chance to meet Peter Cullen once, and it's just like huh, 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 like I'm shaking when I got mm-hmm. to. It's just crazy. He's what about incredible. you, Chris? Oh, I love him. I you can't unhear it once you know it. But it's wild to go. Oh, Optimus Prime is also the voice of Eeyore and Monterey Jack from the Rescue Rangers. What? And then when you hear him do those voices, it's, oh, that. Frank Welker, too, he's incredible. I mean, he's obviously been Fred in um, the Scooby-Doo franchise and everything for years. Um, He's a fantastic Dr. Claw as well. They're they're phenomenal, phenomenal voice actors. They're wonderful. All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this little show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because it gave us fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. I want to thank the people in the room with me. We got Ray Ora. See you later. Jonathan Voico. Till tomorrow. The wonderful Chris Carr. Bye, guys. And most importantly, big thank you to you guys for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.